Blog Talk Radio. Well, good afternoon. This is Pastor Ted Payton, Grace Through Faith Worship Center. For you today, a special broadcast in that we are all snowed in today. This wonderful day in March the 14th, 2017. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for another day, Lord. We just bless you. We just honor you, O oh God. We just come before you with a heart of thanksgiving just acknowledging you in every way and everything. So, Lord, even as we go into your word today, we just ask you to just open our eyes and our ears so that we can hear and see what it is that you will have for us. And as we go forth, Lord, we just bless you with every opportunity to hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, today I just want to just share a little bit with you. and We, are, we have been talking recently out of the book of Ephesians, out of the book of Ephesians, but more particularly I want to talk about the first chapter and the second verse of Ephesians. And we're just going to talk about money, we're going to talk about wealth, we're going to talk about prosperity, we're going to talk about believing God for resources. Believing God, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the goodness and the fullness thereof. Everything, cattle on a thousand hills belong to God. And if it belongs to God, we are joint heirs with Christ. If we are joint heirs with him, that means it should be ours too. And the only way to access something that belongs to you is to, first of all, know that it is yours and know how to access it. And we're going to talk about how to access it. Now, In Ephesians, the first chapter, second verse, it says this, Grace be to you and peace from our Lord, peace from from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it goes on in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, Bless us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All spiritual blessings. Now, when the Bible talks about all spiritual blessings, the Bible says on earth as it is in heaven, in heavenly places. This is the idea that In the spiritual realm, that's where things are. Now, things are more real in the spiritual realm than they are in the natural realm, but because we are beings that are here on this earth, we expect to verify everything with our five senses. But it takes place. It happens in the spirit first. The Bible says that everything that's seen now was made out of things unseen. That means that what you see each and every day was made out of something that was unseen. And what is that thing? It's faith. And the Bible talks about in the the beginning God created and God said, let there be. God said. It was created with words. Now, the last time we were together, I talked about the fact that, you know, even though the Bible says that, and it's in third epistle of John, third John, the second verse. It says that, Beloved above all things, I would that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Beloved, I would above all things that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. 
Now, the situation is this. It makes no sense to me. Now, this is just me saying this. It makes no sense to me to go to church, go to worship, go to anywhere, serving a God, week in and week out, day in and day out, and I am no better off going than not going. Let's talk about financially. Let's talk about financially. I'm no better off going than not going. I'm broke, busted, and this stuff, you know, is one of those things that, look, you know, I don't have any more when I go than when I don't go. Why go to church? Why go to Bible study? Why get into any of this worship thing when, in fact, the one that we're worshiping says that God owns everything and I'm worshiping somebody who owns everything that never gives me anything. It doesn't make sense to me for someone to go to church and be invited to go to church, be invited to go to Bible study, go all these places, let's study, let's talk about God, let's talk about worship, let's talk about all this stuff, and you are broke all the time. You can't meet basic necessities of life. You can't pay your bills. You can't you just you just broke, busted and disgusted as they say you just it's nothing. And my question, why is that? Whose fault is that? Whose fault is it that we go week to week, month to month, year to year, we're just all down and out and never have anything. Well, I guess there's probably enough blame to go around. First of all, the Bible says this and is very clear about it, and it is very emphatic about it. It says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Now, a lot of people go to Bible study. A lot of people go to church. They read their Bible. They go to Sunday school. They do, they, they do all of this Bible study stuff, but yet still they don't have nothing. They're still broke. They're still struggling. Why is that? Why is that? Now, I think that when it comes to the Word of God, I think everything in the Word of God is important, but I think some things are more important than other things. And I think the problem is, before we go into the real deep things of the Word, the real deep revelatory things, the really deep prophetic stuff in the Word, that what we do is we miss the very basic fundamental things of the Word. Fundamental things of the word. Fundamental things such as salvation. You know, to be saved in most circles would mean to miss hell and make heaven. That's what being saved is all about. I got born again, I'm saved, I know the Lord. If I die right now, I'm going to go be with Jesus. Well, that might be. Or... If you truly believe, like the Bible says, well, that is the case. If you were to die, you would go be with Jesus. You would go to heaven. But that's really not what the whole thing is about when it comes to the Word of God. Surely going to heaven is a benefit and it is something that is important. But that's, that's when it's all over here on the earth. But you have to go back and ask yourself, well, 
why is it that the Bible says, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost come upon you? Why is it that we need power? If if we're going to just get born again and go be with Jesus, why, what, what, what benefit is there from having power? What benefit is it? Why do we need power? If you get born again and the only benefit it is to go see Jesus when you die, who needs Jesus when, they, when their stomach is empty and their stomach pains are talking louder than the radio? Who's thinking about going to be with Jesus? The fact is, we have received all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. God has already done for us everything that he's ever going to do. But the problem is, we don't believe it. We do not believe what the word of God has said. Either that we don't believe it or we don't know that it said it. Or we know that it says some things about being able to pray whatsoever things you pray, believe when you pray for them, you shall receive them. If we have read that scripture a thousand times and we read it, and right now when most people read it, they don't believe what it says. And the question is why? Why is it that you don't believe the Bible says, above all I would that you would prosper and be in hell, even as your soul prosper? Why is it when we read that we don't believe what it says? And the reason why I know we don't believe what it says is because we do not show the fruit of what those scriptures say. We want to believe God that somebody can give us a discount on something, but we can't believe God that had the money to pay the full price for something. Same faith. If you're going to believe God for somebody to give you a discount, why can't you believe God to give you a, a a full price money in your pocket plus a big tip to the person that you're buying it from. You believe that God can do you a favor by somebody giving you something. Well, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. If it's more blessed to you to give than to receive, then why don't we believe God? Let me tell you one reason why. Because, and I talked about this before, most Christians do not feel like they are worthy of what God has promised us. They don't feel that they're worthy. They don't feel like their life is good enough, that God is pleased with their life, is good enough to deserve what God has promised us. And see, that's where the enemy comes in. He's really cunning when he do this. What the enemy would do is he's not going to come to you and say, well, you know, last night, you know, you did thus and so, and therefore God is not going to do anything. No, what he do is he just, he just kind of like, you know, put the thought, that he put the suggestion there. You know, you know, last week you wasn't very good to your boss. You wasn't very good to your neighbor. Matter of fact, you cussed your neighbor out. You, were, you did this, you did that, you did that. And, you know, you're going to pray to God to do something for you, and you done done that. And all of a sudden you... Cower down. You say, well, let me give you a good example of what they did. In the Bible, it talks about where Jesus, well, it talks about where these people found this man and this woman in adultery. They found him in adultery, and they dragged the woman out into the street, and they were getting ready to stone her. They were getting ready to stone the lady. And, of course, Jesus arrives on the scene or whatever, and he says, and they say, well, you know, she was found in adultery. You know they brought the woman. They didn't bring the man. But she's been found in adultery. 
And so what we're going to do, we're going to stone her. We're going to stone her. Because she's been found in sin, we're going to stone her. We're going to kill her because she's been found in sin. You know, all these people making accusations. And what Jesus did was he looked around. He said, okay, everybody get your rod. We're going to stone her. But before we do, or as we get ready to stone this lady, what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, let me just put this out first. Before we stone, let me just say one thing before we stone the lady. Now, uh, we need to decide who's going to go first on this thing. We need to decide who's going to go first because somebody needs to throw the first stone to get us started with this. So what I want to do is anybody in this crowd that is without sin, I want you to throw the first stone. I need somebody to go first. So anybody that's without any sin in their life, I need for you to throw the first stone. Now, come on. Were y'all ready? Come on. Here we go. And people began to drop their heads and drop the stones and walk away. Why is that? Because they knew that they were without, not without sin. And what Jesus is saying here is that, okay, if you're so good, you two shoes, then why don't you, why don't you throw the first stone? Now, what's wrong with that picture? What that picture got to do with anything now? Well, this 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 is what it had to do with. See, because what Jesus was saying was, look, I died for the sin of the whole world. If you accept me, then you're not guilty of anything. You may have done it, but you're not guilty. But in essence, what happens today is this. Even though Jesus has already told us that he has died and he's forgiven sin both past, present, and future, Jesus told us that. He says, okay, when I, when you accept me, I wash it away. It's thrown into the sea of forgiveness, and I don't remember it anymore. So, therefore, you can go without condemnation. You can go without having to carry the guilt of sin in your life because I've taken care of that. Now, what the enemy does is, the enemy do to us just what Jesus did to those people standing there. But the difference is, what we have done in our life has already been paid the price for. So when Satan comes and says, well, those of you that are without sin, go ahead and believe God for this and he'll give it to you. But what our mind will do is, what Satan will do is, he will remind us of those things that we have done that may not be very holy. And instead of us pleading the blood when Satan comes to us with stuff, we fall for the okey-doke. Okay, Jesus says, the devil says, okay, well, God ain't going to do this for you. He ain't going to prosper you, prosper you, and you've been acting this way and that way. God's not going to prosper you. But what you should say at that time is, what the smoking novel say? Not guilty? Yeah, Mr. Devil, I did do that. But you know what? The blood covered it, so mm, not guilty. Lord, I thank you for prospering me. See, it's just that simple. But what we have to understand is this. Until you consistently get in the word of God, and receive what Jesus has said about us. Receive what the Lord has said about us. Receive the fact that he says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. 
And when we pray, we can come to God boldly because even though we may have made a mistake, it doesn't matter. Just repent and keep going. Repent means stop doing it and keep going. Don't allow thoughts of when you've missed God to interfere with the fact that you've been forgiven. So, therefore, when you go to God, you can go to him with confidence, complete confidence, knowing that when I ask my father for something, he's not going to turn me down. There's no reason for him to turn me down. Because when he looked at me, he looked at me through the veil of Jesus, through the body of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. He looked at me that way. So when he see me, he don't see any condemnation. And what we have allowed the enemy to do is to tell us that we are not worthy. Therefore, since we don't think that we are worthy, we never will ask in faith. We don't even ask in faith. And when we do, we don't really believe what we are saying because we feel condemnation in our life because we don't feel that we are worthy of what God has promised us. God calls us holy. If God calls you holy, then you are holy. Your being holy has nothing to do with your activities or what you've done. When you accept Christ and he calls you holy, you are holy. You may have missed the mark, but you're still holy. Why? Because your spirit, it's by the spirit. Your spirit man is holy. In Ephesians it says your spirit man is sealed. Can't nothing get in and can't anything get out once you're born again. Once you're born again, you're born again. It can't change. Oh, but you know what if you backslide? Well, the backslider belong to God. You can backslide and still end up in heaven. Backslidden means that your relationship with God is not where it needs to be. But that doesn't change anything in your spirit, man, because it's been sealed. And when we know and understand that once we're born again and God empowers us, we have an inheritance. And when we lay hold to that inheritance in faith, then we can see things happen in our life on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us this day, Lord, our daily bread on earth as it is in heaven. Why is that? Because we live on this earth, but we are not of this earth. We are from somewhere else. The rules that we live by are from heaven, not from earth. We are living in this land, but the rules that we live by are heavenly rules. And we have people trying to live by earthly rules to accomplish heavenly things on earth as it is in heaven. There is no sickness in heaven. Therefore, we speak those things on earth as they are in heaven. We call those things on earth that be not as though they are. How do we get from God? We get from God by receiving it by faith. Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if you don't practice faith, if you don't practice it. If you don't exercise your faith, believe God for a small thing, then graduate to something else, then graduate to something else. We don't believe God enough to even pray consistently. Why? Because we don't really believe that prayer makes a difference. 
If we did, maybe we would do it. The Bible says, don't worry about anything but pray about everything. We go to Bible study, and we study and we exegete all these scriptures, but we have got forgotten about the most fundamental thing. And that's who God say that we are, what he expects of us. He gave us his faith. He expects us to use it. He gave everyone the measure of faith. He expects us to exercise that faith. Come to him and use it. He expects us to say what he says. Jesus said, these things you see me do, you will do, and even greater things than you will do. Well, when are we going to start doing the things that we see Jesus do in the Bible? One of the first things that he told us to do and empowered us to do when he gave his disciples uh, instruction, he said, one of the first things I want you to do is to cast out demons. I'm going to give you power to cast out demons. When are we going to start doing it? When are we going to start believing that we can? When are we going to start being bold enough to at least try? Not try, but just do it. The Bible says heal the sick. Not try to heal them. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. And if you go to somebody that's sick and heal them, then let me suggest to you that they will get healed. Why? Because the very nature of God's word is that when he instructs us to do something, the empowerment to do it is there with the command. God will not ask us to do anything that he's not empowered us to do. And we go throughout this life saying that we are Christians and doing this and doing that and just believing God for nothing. We not we not had even scratched the surface on what God wants to do for us. We are confessing, I'm the first and not the last, and this and, this, and I ain't believing God for nothing. If you believe God, then you will act like you believe God. Do something that you've never done before. Lay your hand on the sick and heal them. Lay your hand on someone and cast the evil, foul spirit out of them. Curse the sickness. Curse the disease. Tell it where to go. Resist, submit to God, resist the devil, and watch him flee. That's what God says we can do. When are we going to do it? When are we going to believe God? God has given us words to say. Remember the story where with Jeremiah down in the valley of the dry bones? And God says, can these bones live? He said, well, God, you know. Can these bones live? And then he said, prophesy to these dry bones. Prophesy to them. Tell them what to do. Give them instruction. Tell them what to do. Just as he was told to prophesy to those dry bones, we can prophesy to sickness. We can prophesy to disease. We can prophesy to poverty. And they too will live. Life over death. Prosperity over poverty. Wellness over sickness and disease. 
We have the ability to prophesy, to speak. Jesus said, these things you see me do, you can do. Did Jesus speak to sickness disease? Did Jesus forgive sin? Did Jesus tell the dead to get up and walk? He said, if you see me do it, you can do it. We can see him do it today. Go into the scripture. Read what the scripture says. We can believe God. The centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to even come into my house, but, Lord, if you just speak the word, I know that my child will be well. That's believing God. That's believing God. Lord, Jesus looked up and saw the man let him down through the roof, and he said, oh, I have not seen a greater faith. He marveled at their faith, and he said, the faith of your friends. I see the faith of your friends because I see the great faith of your friends. Your sins are forgiven you. The man got up, picked up his bed, and walked out of the room. The reason why we don't see the victories and the reason why we don't experience prosperity is that we, first of all, don't even try. We don't even try to cast out demons. We don't even try to heal the sick. We don't even speak to our finances. We don't even call forth those things and tell them to be not as though they are. We don't even try. And the reason we don't try is because we don't think that we are worthy to do it. You don't think you're your word. You don't believe it. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to receive what God has promised me. I'm not good enough. Going back to Moses, Moses instructed the people as they were getting ready to leave Egypt. Moses told the people, when you get ready to leave, go and ask the people for their wealth. He instructed them, tell them you want to borrow their wealth or ask them for their wealth or however, whatever words you need. Ask them for their jewels, the gold, the silver, all the precious stones. Ask them for it. And when the children of Israel got up and they began to leave Egypt, they took their wealth with them simply by doing what? Simply by doing what Moses had instructed them to do, ask the people for their wealth. When's the last time we asked anybody for their wealth? I'm not talking about asking somebody to pay their tithe. The Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Let me suggest to you that the Egyptians were the wicked folks. The Israelites were the righteous folks. The righteous folks asked the wicked folks for the wealth, and they left with it. Well, maybe if we were bold enough to believe what God says, then maybe we can ourselves. We need to build a church. We need to do this. We need to do that. Go and ask someone who has great wealth. Oh, I can use some of that. I can use a few million dollars to do what God has told us to do. Are we bold enough to go and ask? Oh, I'm not going to ask. They're going to think I'm a fool. No, I'm not going to. Are we? Put God to the test. God says, try me. 
Put me to the test. See if I won't do what I have told you that I will do. We don't trust God enough to pay tithes. We don't trust God enough. Everything belongs to God. You get 100% of your salary, God says, give me 10% back, and I will see to it that that 90% do more than what it's supposed to do. We don't believe God to that degree. And let me tell you what, that's the most elementary, fundamental faith walk that you could do is paying tithes. And if you don't believe God enough to pay tithes, then how are you going to believe him enough to receive great wealth? God says, if you can't manage a little, this little bit, if you can't manage 100% of something, give me just a, a penny out of a dime or a dime out of a dollar. If you can't manage, if you can't run a business good enough just to do that, who's going to give you millions of dollars to, to do stuff with? You're going to mismanage it. Above all things, I would that you will prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. People, it's time for the body of Christ to rise up, take the word, and do the word, and stop being intimidated by the devil. You're broke, busted, disgusted. Give God a chance. Give the word a chance to work in your life. If you make $10, give God one. Say, Lord, I'm going to start right here. This is my faith walk. You don't have to give it to the church. Find somebody in need. Give them the money. Sow it into the Bible. Jesus said, if you give to the least of mine, it's just like giving it to me. So some of y'all got a problem with tithing to a church. Take your tithe. Go out and find some poor soul and sow it into their life. Because Jesus said, if you give it to the least of mine, you've given it to me. Go sow it into somebody that really needs it since you don't trust the church and the pastor to handle the money of God. Go give it to somebody that really needs it. Find somebody that's really poor. Go out on the streets and give it to some homeless person. Take your tithe and go sow it into their life because that's just like sowing it into Jesus. Go do it that way. And watch God work in your life. Instead of hating on the people that's supposed to be watching over your soul, take the money and go throw it into the life of someone that needs it, someone that's less fortunate than you. Since you don't want some preacher to stick it in his pocket, go give it to the poor, the homeless. Sow it there. Since you don't trust the person that feeds you spiritually, so I just wanted to share that, not fussing, but you know what? It's time for us to believe God. It's time for us to step it up and stop being the last poorest thing on the totem pole, our churches that's not growing. It's time for us to step it up and see God work mightily so that the world can look and see and say, my God, what are you guys doing? How did you do that? We believe God. We believe God. We believe God for witty inventions. We believe God for business ideas. We believe God for speaking life into our situations. And because we did so, we are now prospering financially. There's nothing wrong with money. Everyone needs it. It solves many, 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 many needs. It's the word. Beloved. 
I would above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prosper. And in Second Timothy, it goes on to say that the word of God was sent to chasten us, to correct us, to give us instruction, to give us wisdom. The word was written for our knowledge so that we can not make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. That's what the word is for. The fivefold ministry was put in place to equip the saints so that they will be equipped to live like God desires for us to live. But some of us are just learning and studying the wrong thing. We're putting the cart before the horse. You want to exegete something? Go back and look at salvation and see what it really means. It means missing hell, making heaven, living healthy, living in our rightful mind, saved from all of the consequences created by Adam when he fell, saved from all of those situations. In other words, taking us back to Eden. Back to Eden, yes. Back to Eden. Back to the original plan that we start on this earth and we move throughout this earth, creating a heaven on earth throughout this whole earth. We are missing a great opportunity. For God is faithful. Father, we thank you for your word this day. We just bless you and we honor you, Lord, because you are holy God. And you are so clear about what you desire of us and who we are and telling us who we are. So, Lord, we just bless you, even as we go forward in your word, just acknowledging you and trusting you, trusting you with every ounce of our resources, trusting you with it, God, because you said it belonged to you, and we want to be good stewards over everything that you provided for us. So, Father, today we bless you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Ted Payton, Grace Through Faith Worship Center, every Sunday, 930 a.m., 4857 Glendale Road, Bowie, Maryland. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Goodbye, everybody.